Welcome to the struggle of being Christian. My name is Karen. Now I've been off social media for a while and a while will be like maybe six months. And I just felt like it was something that I was being led to do. And I feel like with God, you don't, you don't have a choice whether you're going to choose to listen to him or not. Or AKA be disobedient. I mean, you can, you have a choice, but from, I've already done that. I've already walked down that road of doing my own thing. And I feel like if God is leading you to do something and if it doesn't make sense, if it doesn't look normal, if it's not the normal thing you would do, I'm telling you, you just, you need to pray about it. Make sure it's the, the Holy Spirit that's leading you to do these things and obey, you know? All right. So maybe this is appropriate for why I'm starting right where I'm starting. All right. So I opened up the Bible randomly like I normally do. And I opened up the Second Kings chapter 8. And this is titled, The Woman from Shunem returns home. I don't know if a lot of you know this story about this woman. She's been mentioned a couple of times in here in the Bible in this story, or maybe in this chapter with Elisha. Don't hold me to it. <laughs> but I do know she didn't have any children before. She was barren and she saw the prophet coming through and she offered him a room over her home. And later on, he asked her, you know, what it is she wanted. And he told her she would have a child. He also warned her about leaving Israel as well, because there was a famine that was coming and it was going to last for seven years. I just want to kind of give you a backstory as to, you know, who this woman is, especially if you haven't read this part before. And... I used to be one of those people who really didn't care to read. Maybe really cared to read is not even the correct word. I was one of those people who did not read my Bible. And even if it came to trying to read it, it felt like pulling teeth. And what I realized is you just have to read the Bible little by little every day. I just read a chapter, literally, like one number, read it all the way through, and I'm done. And slowly but surely, I began to understand these stories. I don't try to read the whole thing all the way through to try to get through. And I think that's a mistake a lot of us make in our lives is we want to hurry up and get to the end. And you miss the message that God is trying to tell you about your current life right now through what you just read. So don't try to rush through it. Don't try to rush to the end and then say you read it and then you miss the word that God has for your life and what you just read. The word that you could be saying over your life, over your situation, repeating it as if it's you and speaking it over your life. All right, so I think that's a long enough intro. Let's, let's go ahead and jump in. All right, Elisha had told the woman whose son he
he had brought back to life. Or oh, I forgot to tell you, her son died. But you should go read and find out what happened. <laughs> Elisha had told the woman whose son had been brought back to life, take your family and move to some other place. For the Lord has called for a famine on Israel that will last for seven years. So the woman did as the man of God instructed. She took her family and settled in the land of the Philistines for seven years. After the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines and she went to see the king about getting back her house and land. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. The king had just said, Tell me some stories about the great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elisha had brought a boy back to life. At that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and land. Look, my lord the king, Gehazi exclaimed, here is the woman now and this is her son the very one Elisha brought back to life. Is this true? The king asked her, and she told him the story. So he directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. So I think I read this yesterday and a couple of days before. I keep opening back to this chapter. And... As I'm reading that, I notice there's some key points here that you should take away from it. And I'm telling you, if you don't have a physical Bible, go and get you one. Get you a physical Bible that you can open and read the Word of God and call it back and call it back over your life. All right, so here it is. You know, Elisha warns this woman about a famine coming. She listens and takes heed to what his warning is. She takes up her family and leaves and goes to a place that clearly, you know, if you know anything about the Philistines or the Philistines, that's where Goliath came from. Goliath and that army and them attacking Israel. And they've tried to attack, you know, Israel several times throughout history. So this isn't exactly somewhere where you're loved, but... God will use everyone. He will use everyone and everything for your good. He will use it how he sees fit, not how you think it's going to work out. But he's going to use every situation in your life to help you get through your famine. He's going to use the good and the bad people. So it's not who are we to judge, but it's who are we to question God and his approach. And how he does things. For his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And his ways are greater than our ways. And I've been having to remind myself about this. like, Because it's easy to say, well, God is doing this in my life. Oh, and I see God doing that. Yeah, but you're not God. And you don't really know. Because you're not even through the storm. And you don't even know what's on the other side. But... You can acknowledge him for his goodness. You can still rejoice 
when you're in your storm because you know you've been through other storms that God's brought you through so you can recall on those things and rejoice. Because he's a God that keeps his word. He's not like man that he should lie. It's just about us not becoming faint and weary. I'm sure she became faint and weary moving to this place, you know, not knowing anyone and taking her family with her and going to this place where she knows she may not be liked, but you know what? Is it, do you prefer to die or do you prefer to, to live? And continue God's plan and not yours, you know? And then let me continue on. So it says, after the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines and she went to see the king about getting back her house and land. Now, after you've been through all the stuff you've been through, have you went back to the king to ask him to give you back your house and your land? Everything that was stolen from you, everything that was taken from you, everything that you quote-unquote worked so hard for, and it's not to say you didn't, but I think a lot of times we miss the big picture. We focus on what we're doing, how we doing this, how we doing that, how I spent all this time building this and building that. And you miss the big picture that it is God that led you in that direction. It is God that made the provisions. It is God that opened the doors for you to meet the right people to continue building what you're building. It is God that provided the resources for it to be possible, but you are going to work and toll your field or till your field. You are going to work it because that is, it is what it is. God told Adam that from now on, we were going to work by the sweater, our brow and our hands to reap and sow from this earth. It won't going to be easy no more. So while you... You know, some of us may be having a pity party about how we did this, how that, and this fall apart, and we're experiencing famines, and we're going through, you know, some major storms. We've got to realize here that everything is in God's hands. It is not us that creates anything. It is us that are helping to farm until what we've been given. So back to this story. <laughs> so she went to see the king about getting back her house and land. So I think that's a great point. It's, you know, we could say the devil stole this, the devil stole that. But maybe sometimes our heart is getting tested. Maybe sometimes our heart is getting tested that, you know what? We don't start making our house and our land and our job and our business and our marriage, our God, our idol. Maybe our hearts are being tested to see, you know what? We're not God. And that we need to remember who God is and put our full trust in him. It's just a thought. As she came in, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. And the king had just said, tell me some stories about the great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elisha had brought 
a boy back to life. And at that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and land. And he said, look, my lord, the king, Gehazi explained, here's the woman now. And this is her son, the very one Elisha brought back to life. Now, and we read in the story, the famine lasted for seven years, not seven hours, not seven days, not seven months, but seven years. And I say this to stress that can you imagine being in a place that you feel uncomfortable? It is not what you're used to. It's not your home. It's not a job you're used to working because it's not your career. Maybe you used to own a home and now you're renting or you're staying with somebody because your whole entire circumstances changed. Like, just think about it on that level. Like, seven years is a long time. And you got to keep seeking God and looking for his hand directing you. And I'm saying this because she, the only way she could have been right on time when Gehazi was telling the king about her at that very moment, that meant she had to be, she had to stay with God. She had to be talking to him. She had to be continuously seeking him every day. Not just every other day, not just on Easter and Christmas and New Year's. When it's convenient. Not, I don't feel like opening my Bible right now. Because she could have missed that very moment to be rewarded something even greater because of the impact that had. Can you imagine Somebody's telling somebody about you and how awesome you are. And man, I remember this time so-and-so did this. And then all of a sudden you walk into the, into the room and they're like, whoa. And there she is right there. The impact that has. That means you have to be walking with God even when you feel like you, know, you don't. And I like saying, and I, I remember, well, I enjoy telling people this, which is who will benefit the most from you not praying, not reading the word of God, and not seeking him, who will benefit the most? Just think about that. It's definitely not you, and it's definitely not God. And then the king said, and then, all right, and now I'm going to continue on. Is this true? The king asked her, and she told him the story. So he directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crop that had been harvested during her absence. So I thought I should have you pay attention to some key parts here. So after she shows up, he, you know, she confirms, you know, what Gehazi is saying to the king. He appoints an official to make sure that everything that was lost, her land and her home, was replaced. And not only that, but any crops that had been growing during that seven-year period 
of her absence was restored to her. The value of it was restored to her. That was something she wasn't expecting to get back. That probably wasn't even a second thought. It was just, look, I just want my home and my land back. Look, I just want to be able to pay my rent. Look, I just want a house over my head. Look, I just want a good job that I can, you know, live. We're we're asking for the bare minimum, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the king, the king has more than the bare minimum in mind for us. And you don't have to worry about how he's going to do it. You just need to keep seeking him and keep asking. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. But I think we be expecting, you know, instant McDonald's. And if you think about fast food, we all know it's not good for us. Let's just be real. The soda ain't good for you. The fake meat that doesn't ever break down and probably preserves all kinds of diseases in your stomach and chemicals and in your intestines. I'm just I'm I'm just breaking down some visuals for you so you can see what I'm saying here. Like we want something quick, but we don't realize how bad it is for us. We want somebody to love us. We want a husband right now, but we can't show God any faithfulness. We can't seek God like we would seek a man or like we would seek love. We want somebody to love us so bad, but we're not willing to seek God and spend time with him. That's how we we are going to learn how to love. That's how we're going to learn how to be in a relationship. You do things when you don't feel like doing it. You get down on your knees and pray when you don't feel like praying. You talk to God every moment because he's the only one that you're going to, you you need to run to and share personal, private things with, not your friends. And that's what a marriage is. And hopefully you're marrying somebody that you can trust, somebody that's got your back, somebody that will be with you through the storm, the good times and the bad, the famines. And that's what God represents in our life. And by us seeking him, by us pursuing him, talking to him about everything, staying in his word, seeking him out, he's teaching us how to be good wives. He's teaching us how to, yes, he's teaching us how to be married. One thing go bad, we'll be like, oh, I, I'm, I'm mad with God right now. I'm not, I'm not going to get his word. And you, who benefiting? You or him? Let's just be real here. Who's benefiting you or him? You think you hurting him or you hurting yourself? So it's just like being married. One offense or a couple of offenses happen and you don't talk to him about it. And you don't keep in prayer with him about it. And you don't pray over your husband. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like we don't realize how much pursuing God is really like a marriage. And here it is, we want something, but we ain't willing to give up the time for it. We just want the goods. We want the goods. <laughs> so I want to end this. So the little question I want to leave in your mind is, 
Are you pursuing God and everything? Are you listening to him even when it doesn't make sense? Are you pursuing him when, when things are going good? And are you pursuing him when things are going bad? And are you sticking to his word? And I'm talking about every day, man. Every day. We are in a time where you cannot mentally and spiritually afford to have somebody else tell you what's in the Bible and to not read the word for yourself. You can watch these YouTube videos of people, you know, reading the word for you, having service, and that's great, but those are confirmations of what you read. Those are confirmations of what you're experiencing and where you're heading. Those are not to be replaced with you reading the physical word of God and calling it back on your life and reading it back on your life because this is God's word. I don't care who rewrote it. When I'm reading this, I see me in it. After reading it now is your opportunity to talk to God and to speak that word over your life as is you. You can speak it, speak it out loud, not in your head. Speak it. Speak. Ask. Ask, don't say do it in your head. <laughs> Ask is an action out loud. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Those are all actions that you have to do. So I just want to urge you today, if you haven't, or if you've stopped reading the Bible and you've gotten sidetracked, I'm going to tell you this, only one individual or whatever he is, or the group of them are, they are the only ones who benefit when you don't get in the word. When you don't realize that God is pointing out something to you in your current circumstance, if you would just start to read and ask for him to give you understanding about what you're reading, that you will start to see that he's showing you, he's directing you, he's showing you how to find him. He's showing you what you need to be doing, the words you need to be calling over your life to give you faith for what you're experiencing in your life. Seek him today. Open his Bible, his word today. And just open it randomly. You don't have to read the Bible from the beginning and be quote unquote in order. God is God. He's going to direct you to wherever you need to be. If you don't understand what you're reading, ask him to give you understanding. And I'm telling you, God can do anything. It is we that put a limitation on him. Anyway, thank you for joining me. I'll talk to y'all soon. Bye.